welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you all about strange things that have happened in history. Are you being the 12 o'clock news or? (laughs) I was being the inception noise. (laughs) I thought, you know, liven the listener up before we start. (laughs) But what I have actually succeeded in doing is throwing you off your flow. A little bit, yes. (laughs) I thought you were going to do a bomb for everything I said, like the little bongs on Big Ben, you know? Oh, I see. No, no. I was trying to insert my own sound effects, despite the fact that I have told myself yeah. on this podcast <laughs> that I shouldn't do that. Yeah, don't do that. No. Um, anyway, I'm Amelia Edwards. <laughs> Hi. And with me is Barnaby King. Hello there. Also known as the Hans Zimmernoise. <laughs> yes, that is me. I... We'll no longer attempt to do it. Well, I'm sure I'll forget, and in a few weeks' time, I'll do it again. Hooray! Probably. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. So, uh, a little note for our listeners. Um, Things are a little bit busy for us at the moment, so if our release schedule is a little bit erratic, please bear with us. Um, (laughs) I've started my course, and I'm... Uh, got a pretty heavy workload with it already amelia's got her new job and everything so a lot of marking and we were both ill and we were both very ill yeah (laughs) which is probably my fault for being a teacher it is entirely your fault you brought back so many bugs and viruses all of them yeah i mean the only way i see this working out in future is that it gets to the point like Mr. Burns and the Simpsons, where there are just so many viruses and that they could, they just can't get through all at once. Oh yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, absolutely. So unfortunately that meant though, we missed out doing the second half of the Chevalier de Saint-Georges, mm. which was our kicking off point for Black History Month. <laughs> um, oh, so dear. I am going to catch you up on that today. Excellent. So before we get started on our second half of the Chevalier de Saint-Georges, I thought it might be time to talk about another episode You mean of that time when episode I do mean of that time when episode Excellent. I love doing the sound effects for those. I know you do. <laughs> That's why I said it lots. Excellent. So I was thinking, Barnaby, we've both been tired recently. We have, yes. Mostly because we've been ill, as we've that said. That is mostly because we've been ill. But I think and we've been that hard. as a student and yeah. as a teacher, mm-hmm. we both rely on a certain substance to keep us going. Okay. Are you going to talk about our amphetamine problem? No. <laughs> because, frankly, I think I've got it under control. All right. I mean, I, I haven't. I, but... well, I could quit any time I wanted. <laughs> I know you can't, but I can. So... It's your womanly disposition. (laughs) You know, women always addicted to amphetamines. Absolutely. No, I was going to talk about coffee. Ah, of course. And I was going to talk about a cute little story about how coffee came to Brazil. Oh, right. Because I guess there's the assumption, right, that coffee is a Brazilian I mean, I was literally about to say I thought it was, you know, native. No. No. (laughs) It turns out absolutely not. Right. Okay. So... There is a story about how coffee was discovered, which I'll give you first because it's very good. Um, It comes originally from Ethiopia. Oh, right. Right? Wow. And apparently there was a goat herder called Kaldi. Right. And he noticed that after his goats ate the berries off of a certain tree, then they became so energetic that they refused to sleep. (laughs) 
<laughs> Excellent. So he reported his findings to the abbot of a local monastery. <laughs> who immediately went out and started chewing on the plants. <laughs> no, he literally made a drink with the berries because he got tired during all of the long hours of evening prayer. Right, yeah. So he thought, fantastic, let's share this with all the other monks because that way we can all stay awake for all of our really, really long prayers. Right. And as a result, it started to spread mostly out of Ethiopia and then along the Arabian Peninsula. Right. Um, incidentally, coffee and like the discovery of coffee for the Arabic world was apparently a big point of contention. Oh, okay. Because, as you know, Muslims aren't supposed to drink alcohol. Right, yeah. Because there's like an idea that you're not supposed to take any substances that alter yeah. what God has given you naturally, kind, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of a purity thing. Yeah. So at one point, they tried to ban coffee. Mm. And there were uprisings. People <laughs> were like, absolutely nuts. It became really important. Right. By the way, what sort of year are we talking about? Because I'm assuming this is a bit of a, a legendary story. Like, Well, the Calzi one is legendary. Yeah. Um, we're talking about the 15th and 16th century. Wow, that's Quite so late. late. Yeah. Um, so apparently by the 15th century, coffee was being grown in... Yemen. Right. And by the 16th century, it was being, it was known about, so being imported in Persia, Egypt, Syria, and Turkey. Right. So we're pretty late on. We're into Tudor times. Yeah. So it's pretty recently that ye olde Starbucks started. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so it took a while for Europeans to get hold of the idea of coffee. Right. It was only becoming popular in about the 17th century because tea just wasn't doing it for us anymore before tea ah yes of course tea didn't kick off until a bit a bit later <laughs> i don't know how anyone stayed energized during the middle ages i really don't eels lots and lots of eels mm. you just look at the dried eels and you're like i could eat that but i really don't want to so i better just get on with things <laughs> So offensive to Dr. Greenlee, our eel specialist. I know. <laughs> so in the 1700s, therefore, we end up with a situation where suddenly there's an explosion of loads of people needing and wanting coffee. I must be tired because I got distracted for a moment and I thought when you said there was an explosion, I thought you were about to say there was an explosion of eels. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was an explosion of coffee. Right. By the mid-17th century, there were over 300 coffee houses in London. Damn. Um, and apparently there was something called a penny university, which is really cute. Um, the idea is you could buy a cup of coffee for a penny. Right. And engaged in stimulating conversation at the same time. Ah, okay. So you're going to stimulate... I was going to say you're going <laughs> to stimulate everything, but that sounds really bad. It does. Let's just skip ahead. Yeah. So as a result of this, people started wanting to get coffee for themselves because yeah. basically they were having to import it from Arabic nations yeah. and they didn't want to do that. No. Um, so there was a massive competition to start cultivating coffee outside of Arabia. Right. And the first people who managed to do this were the Dutch. Okay. I don't know how they got seedlings, mm. but they managed to plant them in the latter half of the 17th century in Batavia, which is on the island of Java in Indonesia. Right. But everyone else still wants their coffee. And one of the people, who, one of the countries that's desperate to get hold of coffee is brazil right because at this point we're starting to spread out we've got 
the Dutch suddenly have coffee, mm-hmm. that's not going to be acceptable to the Spanish. No. And so, Europeans do they they do be colonizing. They do be. So, in 1727, Sergeant Major Francisco de Melo Payeta, I right. think, was dispatched to settle a land dispute between French and Dutch Guinea. Okay. Oh, sorry, Guiana. Right. And he met the governor of Cayenne's wife as part of this. Right. Madame Dorvilliers. Now, apparently, Francisco was gorgeous. Right. And really good at flirting. Okay. Because he managed to persuade the wife to give him some of the much-wanted raw coffee seedlings. Right. He was just like, hey... Do you want to go out for some coffee? And she's like, oh, yes, I'd love to. And he's like, no, I mean seedlings. Give me seedlings. <laughs> well, this is the thing, because how would she give him seedlings without it being really obvious that she was betraying her nation by giving away something that costs so much? Okay. How? In a bouquet. Oh, that's much less grossy than what I <laughs> No, this is the and kind she of she hid this uncomfortable story. coffee seedling up her ass. <laughs> so, as he was about to leave, she hands him a large bouquet of flowers. Right. And as part of that bouquet, buried in the middle, is the seedlings that are going to become what is now a billion dollar industry. Wow. That's amazing. Isn't it such a good story? That's fantastic. Thank you. And now, on to our main episode. <laughs> and now, for our feature presentation. Exactly. <laughs> so, previously, on That Time When... Um, the... I was so tempted to do the noise again. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are, I saw your face. <laughs> uh, the Chevalier had been an amazing swordsman and an amazing composer, because, of course, he was both. And he had been sent to England at the end of our last episode. Yes, indeed. For a lot of political reasons, if I remember rightly. Yeah, it was like he was friends with the Duke of Orléans and then the Duke of Orléans died and the new Duke of Orléans went, let's send you to England. And this guy called Brissot, who I can't actually figure out who that is, um, (laughs) who was interested in starting an abolition movement. I was going to say, that's the other thing. Yeah, said this would be a great idea. Right. So he's off to help the abolitionists. He is. I mean, actually, he's off to do exhibition matches because we remember that he's also an amazing swordsman as well as being a composer and a black rights advocate and everything. Just like the best person. Just the best person. (laughs) Uh, So while he was in England, of course, he was a massive success. Yep. And he fought exhibition matches in front of the Prince of Wales and one of these was with an old friend of ours. Oh? The Chevalier Deon. Hey, the Chevalier Deon. So at the time, the Chevalier Deon, rather than de Saint-Georges, uh, was 59 years old Oof. and wore her voluminous black dress with a medal on it. Do you want to see a picture? I absolutely do. Oh, that is so good. I love that picture so much. Isn't it great? <laughs> that is fantastic. I'm going to have to actually put the effort in and put it up on Twitter for this episode. Oh, yeah, I reckon so. <laughs> That's amazing. He did also deliver the request for help um, for Les Amis des Noirs uh, to abolitionist MPs, right. including 
William Wilberforce, mm-hmm. John Wilkes, yep. and the Reverend Thomas Clarkson. Right. And they responded by publishing some of their own works in French. Oh, Which nice. was basically their way of helping. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Excellent. So <laughs> it's like they responded by sending a signed photograph with his name spelled <laughs> wrong on it. Yeah, basically. Um, he had a brief return to France, and of course, he did some composing there. Of course. But it was 1789. Ah, right. Yes. Now that that year rings a bell, or should I say, drops a guillotine. <laughs> Very good. I thought for a second you were going to go... No. It's 1798. Sorry, it's 1789. (laughs) Uh, Pass me things I should have done now. But no. So we are in the French Revolution. We are in the French Revolution. So obviously being friends with the Duke of Orléans, the new one. Yeah. um, He gets sent back to England basically as a refugee. I mean, to be honest, that's probably a good move like that that is some pretty fortuitous circumstances you don't want to be hanging around revolutionary france Uh, if you're you know close to the aristocrats yeah probably not probably not i mean the thing is he was still in danger in england oh okay um because of his other politics oh right okay because apparently he did meet up with the abolitionists at least one more time right once he returned to england the second time and we find out that early in july when he was walking home from greenwich a man armed with a pistol demanded his purse whoa and the chevalier disarmed him of course obviously yeah but then four more rogues who were hidden until then (gasps) attacked him oh no and he put them all out of commission. Amazing. Of course. He only... Cassius Marcellus Clay just sort of wanders onto the scene and just nods approvingly. Yeah, basically. Except I think uh, Saint-Georges is with a sword and these guys are with, you know, guns. Yeah. Which is very impressive. Apparently, he did get some injuries. I'm not surprised. But only mild because he continued on... Uh, to go home and play some music in the company of friends. Oh, for God's because sake. Because of course he did. Of oh, course he did. God. I love him. <laughs> I mean, he's great, but at some point you've got to go, God, just just, just take a, just relax. Just, you know, chill out a little bit. Mm. You've been attacked. Just have a little sit down. Don't immediately be like, oh my God, I must go play for these people. I can't <laughs> possibly break my promise. I'm too noble and knightly for that. I don't think it's that. I think he just really likes music. I don't care. This, but this comes <laughs> up again in his life. Right. So the thing is that at first this looks like it's just a mugging, right? Yeah. But the fact that it was one guy and then it was four guys yeah. suggests to some people that this might have been an assassination attempt. Oh, right. Because of him being abolitionist. Yeah. And the fact that there were attempts on people's lives if they were abolitionists because there was so much money in the slave trade still. Yeah. So it is a possibility he was in real danger. I mean, more fool them. Just wait around for a bit because once slavery is outlawed, the British government will just, you know, give loads of money to the slavers. (laughs) That's true. Um, So not completely avoiding the revolution, though, he went to Lille in the north of France. Right. Where he fought an exhibition match. Excellent. Got meningitis. Oh, no. I know. Had a break. Um, he fought his exhibition match while he had the meningitis, obviously. Right. Um, I thought you were going to say, while also playing some music. Probably. 
And, and with meningitis. <laughs> and with meningitis. And then apparently he decided that he was fed up with politics because right. he's fed up with being juggled around by all of these various dukes and trying to find favour with various nobles. Yeah, that's fair enough. It feels like he, he's definitely been pushed into these areas rather than, you know, coming to them because he is a particularly political person. Yeah. So... It's a, it's a bit like we were talking about last time where he fought that match and it was to determine, you know, whether or not slavery was good. <laughs> yeah, and he was like... like <laughs> I mean, he probably did care. I mean, I'm sure he did. at the same did. time, it does feel like he is a pony people are betting on. Yeah, very much so. So what do you do when you're fed up with politics? Why, you joined the revolution, of course. Oh, my God, really? Yes, he did. Oh, he wow. did, and it turns out you know how he was great at music. Yeah. And you know how he was great at sword fighting. Yeah. He was really great at revolutioning as well. I'm sure he was. <laughs> so once he recovered from his illness, this was 1790, he was one of the first people in Lille to join its Garde Nationale. Right. Um. And obviously, he kept giving concerts while he was in the Garde Nationale of Lille. Of course. Apparently, he built an orchestra again, because this is like his fifth orchestra yeah. by this point. And according to an announcement in the paper, he said, I will give a concert every week until Easter. Wow. Which is insane. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> Question is, it. though, was it the same concert? <laughs> I don't think so, because, you know, he kept writing all of yeah. his own music as well. Yeah, He's true. on, like, Opera 10 by this point <laughs> and, like, several billion violin librettos or whatever. So, at the conclusion of the last concert, the one at Easter, yeah. the mayor of Lille placed a crown of laurels on his brow and read a poem dedicated to him. Aww. Which I think is very cute. That is cute. Um... So apparently he did really well in mm -hmm. the revolution. He was promoted to captain. Excellent. And as a result of this, we've got suspicions that he also travelled to San Domingue. Okay. So this was, at the time, technically a part of France in right. the way that any of Fran France's colonies is a part of France. Yep. Um, and it was probably the most heavily enslaved part of the French colonies. Ah, tight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is now Haiti. Oh, right, yeah. So, um, but at the time, it was Saint-Domingue. And in 1796, a commission of 15,000 soldiers travelled from France to Saint-Domingue in an attempt to abolish the slavery on that island. Oh, Wow. Um, now, the thing is, they probably weren't necessary to do this. <laughs> I mean, 15,000 is a lot. 15,000 is a lot. And at this point, there had already been slave uprisings, yeah. um, which were led by Toussaint Louverture, who is a very cool person oh, yeah? that I'm surprised I haven't talked about before okay. in Black History Month. I guess because I kind of think that he's too well known, but it's one of those things where it's like, maybe I just think that. Yeah, I suspect so, because I suspect I know who you're talking about, but I don't really know the name. But I, I think, I guess that... No, I, 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 think, I think we can do an episode. I, I think that's one for the notebook. Okay, okay. Write it down. <laughs> now. Um, no. <laughs> immediately. So um, just to give a quick summary, basically, there were actually a lot... There was a, it was a really messy civil war, is what I've discovered, yeah. just tr by trying to figure out what... Um, the Chevalier was doing there. Yeah. Because there was partly an uprising of slaves. Yeah. And there was also partly another 
armed force that was led by a mixed race pro-French man oh, called right. André Rigaud. Right. And at times they worked together with the freed slaves and at times they fought each other. Right. Okay. <laughs> wow, that, is, that does sound confusing. It seems confusing. Were they like a mercenary group? No, I think that they wanted freedom for the slaves, right. generally, because they were also free people. Oh, I see. Race. But they wanted to remain part of France. Yes. Right. Okay. I, I get think, you. maybe. Right. It's very confusing. And that's why I'm <laughs> going to spend a, tw- a while thinking about it before I talk about anyone like Toussaint Louverture yeah. or this whole civil war. Because I think it's probably a very important part of black history that we should talk about at yeah. some point, especially because it is something that gets mentioned in the sidelines Mm. but I think that it's the only island that um, managed to uh, basically get rid of slavery by itself as in the slaves got rid of the slavery instead of it being the British being like we're not into this anymore yeah the Haitian uprisings I suppose you could say they are they are pretty famous Mm. in you know history circles i suppose i suppose so carefully wording that so we don't you know do ourselves out of an episode but (laughs) sure yeah i I think they are the among the more famous of you know the caribbean island stories yeah so ultimately we're not sure if the chevalier was part of this but it seems likely that he was basically because the person who created his Legion that he was part of yeah. during the his own civil war um, was the leader of this, or one of the leaders of this um, commission. I'll tell you this, being part of a Legion sounds so much sexier than being part of a Legion. Yeah, I know, that's because that's why we're always going to do things en français. Oh, yeah. Because Legion, you know, it's, it's the Imperial, it's Rome, it's, you know, very ordered and strict discipline. Legion, however. Mm. Oh my, it's so relaxed and laissez-faire. If you're in a Legion, then you have got time to build an orchestra and of do course. another concert, probably. Of course. <laughs> I wouldn't dream of being in a Legion if it didn't have a fine orchestra with it. <laughs> so, as I've said, we... Uh, like, the... Haitian revolution was so messy um, mm. that it led to a really messy part of it when the people supporting André Rigaud started fighting against the people <laughs> supporting Toussaint Louverture. Right. And it became known as the War of Knives. Oh, God. Oh, no. Was so, it just a lot of shanking? I think so, basically. Damn. Um, <laughs> it got to the point where it was so heated and contentious that one man ended up fighting himself (laughs) i mean there were massacres of course as part of this and there's a whole thing about like whether Toussaint is responsible for any of the massacres or whether it was just his general and he wasn't responsible so it gets you know dodgy Mm. um so apparently and according to the wikipedia article on the chevalier and I couldn't find this information anywhere else. Right. Because most people only seem to care about his music and not the fact that he was also a soldier and a fencer and all of that kind of thing. Oh, he did all this fighting and stuff. May have helped free some slaves. But have you heard this tune? It is banging. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what it's doing. It keeps being like, he's amazing. He's a composer. And I'm like, yes. And also. 
<laughs> and also a revolutionary. A revolutionary. Yeah, 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 yeah that's fine, that's fine and all. But and an know, abolitionist. Uh, yeah, I know, that's absolutely fine. But his newest album has dropped and we're going to talk about that <laughs> right now. So um, apparently, according to the Wikipedia article, as I say, hearing about the savagery of the War of Knives killed Saint-Georges. Oh, no. Um, Literally or figuratively? Literally. Oh, no. Um, As in, he had been suffering from some kind of disease, but in his, like, being the best at everything kind of way, apparently he hadn't really told any of his friends about it. Oh, no. So it was... I don't know, one of those horrible things to do with your digestive tract or something right. that he just didn't go to a doctor about, didn't tell anyone about it. Yeah. Um, and then he heard about the War of Knives and was so shocked and saddened by it that that, was, that did it for him, apparently. Oh, damn. Which, I mean, it's kind of cool at the same time in a sad way. I mean, it is. But the thing with all those sorts of stories is that I always kind of think to myself, yes, but it was probably the undiagnosed intestinal parasite that really did it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But I didn't want to end on his death. I was going to (laughs) say. Because I think that that's, you know, a bit of a bummer. Instead, I wanted to talk about his last victory. Oh, okay. As our final point. Right. Which is, if he did go on the commission to San Domingo, then within a fortnight of returning, he was again building a symphony orchestra. Of course. Um, So, uh, sorry, I got got a bit confused by something. So he wasn't around for the Massacre of Knives. No. He just heard about it. Yes, sorry, I should have made that clear. So um, he was there in 1796. Right. And the War of Knives was in 1799. Right, So three years later. So he was probably there for like maybe a year i guess and then left <laughs> so he so he was just sort of like my work year is done and then he went back to france and then he heard about the war and the massacres and yeah. that, and he was like oh shit i should have stayed <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe maybe <laughs> apparently he had a dreadful like the commission had a dreadful time in haiti because yeah. there was so much going on and like they i think they might have been expecting to help the rebellious slaves or something and then they were like the rebellious slaves were like we got this and also we hate those other guys who mm. also want to get rid of slavery but yeah there's a lot going on it sounds like there are more factions in haiti than there are in the conservative party right now hey. <laughs> that is either going to date really quickly or really oh God, really knows? slowly who knows i don't know so he's returned from his journey it's before the war of knives right so he builds a symphony orchestra again. He calls it Le Cercle de l'Harmonie. Which means... The Circle of Harmony. Ah. And it was part of a Masonic lodge. It performed in <gasps> what was formerly the Palais Royal, but now it's not because the revolution happened. No, now it's the secret order of the Illuminati working there. Yeah, of course. Um, Which, as we know from our previous episodes, was a book club. Yes, yeah. I mean, and they listen to music, so it's, <laughs> yeah. all, it's all good. Actually, yeah. It'd be pretty <laughs> chill with him. <laughs> he could be one of the, like, three ranks they had. Apparently, the founders of the New Lodge, who were a group of nouveau riche gentlemen, Ooh. bent on recreating the elegance of the old lodge. Yeah. And they were delighted to find Saint-Georges back in Paris. 
this is the thing I find interesting about the French Revolution. There were definitely people who got caught up in it and it was like, you were part of the aristocracy, you were part of like that crowd, yeah. you deserve to die. But then there were definitely people as well who were just like, you know what, you're fine. Yeah. I don't have an issue with you. Parmentier springs to mind, <laughs> the potato guy. Yeah, I was just thinking that, you know... You just got to make sure you're out of sight as long as Robespierre isn't wandering around. Yeah, I guess. Like, maybe the trick is to go to Haiti yeah. or London for a bit. Like, take a holiday every once in a while and then come back and be like, oh, hey, I am just interested in music. <laughs> you come back and it's like, hey, are every- people still being guillotined? It's like, no, we're over that now. Excellent. I'm back then. <laughs> <laughs> so according to the newspaper Le Mercure Francais, the concerts under the, the mercurial le- Frenchman. Sure, yes. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds better than the Mercury, doesn't it? I mean, yes. <laughs> I just sorry. for some reason the mercurial Frenchman sounds like some sort of old-fashioned way of talking about a stereotype. <laughs> like it, it would appear in a, in a Sherlock Holmes story. Oh yes, like, I see. The mercurial Frenchman knocked at two two one V Baker Street. <laughs> Nothing like his companion, the overexcited Scott. Exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So the concerts under the direction of the famous Saint-Georges left nothing to be desired as to the choice of pieces or the superiority of their execution. Nice. And apparently Saint-Georges was just really happy and found solace in his music at this point. He said, Towards the end of my life, I was particularly devoted to my violin and never did I... Never before did I play it so well. Ah, so he was devoted to his violin and not his violence. Absolutely. (laughs) He's just there playing his violin, being like, man, I hope there's no war of knives that I haven't heard about. (laughs) Being like, I'm a little bit worried about this issue with my intestines. But Keep but calm, once. Jeffrey. That's what I call the parasite that lives in there. But once we have made it to the end of an episode and he didn't die in poverty. Yeah. That is actually surprisingly rare. That's it's, because he's awesome. Yeah. Especially for musicians. They tend to die in poverty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's very sad. Well, thank you for listening to That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4 and suggest episodes to us at ttwpod at gmail.com. The best way for you to help us out is to... Give, give us, us your money. Sorry. <laughs> give us a rating on your listening app of choice, ideally five stars, please. Mm-hmm. And thank you, as ever, to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, and any other music that Barnaby's used in the podcast. And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and choose violence. <laughs> Bye. Bye.